You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on a book called The Age of Responsibility, CSR 2.0 and the New DNA of Business. Radical Confessions What makes Ray Anderson and Interface different from, say, BP or Cadbury, is the depth of their admission and the scale of their ambition. Anderson's latest book is called Confessions of a Radical Industrialist, in which he concedes not only that today's economic system is broken, but that he and his company are part of the problem. He is able to see himself as a plunderer, not through malicious intent or even greed, but by failing to question the true impacts of business on society and the environment. As Alcoholics Anonymous will tell you, admission is the first step to recovery. Unfortunately, most companies stuck in the ages of greed, philanthropy, marketing and management are still in denial, thinking that either there is no problem, or that it's not their problem, or that it's a problem to benefit from, or that it's only a minor problem. The age of responsibility is not just about admission, though. It's also about ambition. As far as I can tell, Interface was the first major company to set the BHAG, or Big Hairy Audacious Goal, of zero negative impact, as well as going beyond the no-harm clause to also become a restorative business, to genuinely make things better and leave this world with a net positive balance. It is only such audacious goals that can lift the triple curses of incremental, peripheral and uneconomic CSR 1.0. As Robert Francis Kennedy reminds us, there are those who look at things the way they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. We need more pragmatic dreamers, business leaders who practice what brain-mind researcher and author Marilyn Ferguson calls pragmagic. Anderson was not the first radical business leader, nor perhaps even the most radical. The late Anita Roddick, founder of the Body Shop International, had a missionary zeal that few will ever rival. Famous for her business-led activism, which began as an alliance with WWF in 1986 to save the whale, she went on to tackle issues as far-ranging as animal rights, women's self-esteem, human rights, fair trade, and indigenous people's rights. In her autobiography, Business as Unusual, she distilled her philosophy as follows. Business is a renaissance concept where the human spirit comes into play. It does not have to be drudgery. It does not have to be the science of making money. It can be something that people feel genuinely good about, but only if it remains a human enterprise. Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield, who, and I quote, hated running but loved food, founded Ben and Jerry's ice cream and became flag bearers for a more radical kind of responsibility as well. Their mission to make the best possible ice cream in the nicest possible way was not just sweet talk. They put it into action in various ways, from going free range and supporting fair trade to setting up a climate change college and sponsoring research into eco-friendly refrigeration. Their biography is called The Inside Scoop, How Two Real Guys Built a Business with a Social Conscience and a Sense of Humor.
If you open your mind, they concluded, the opportunity to address both profits and social conditions are limitless. It's a process of innovation. Ricardo Semler, CEO of the Brazilian manufacturing company Semco, is another self-confessed maverick who turned many assumptions about good management on their head. For example, at Semco, he allowed workers to set their own salaries and working hours. He taught everyone in the company, including shop floor workers, how to read a balance sheet, and he made everyone's salary public. He said, if you're embarrassed about the size of your salary, you're probably not earning it. His radical philosophy was this. Most companies hire adults, he said, and then treat them like children. All that Semco does is give people the responsibility and trust that they deserve. Web 2.0, Seeds of a Revolution Throughout my 20-year career in corporate sustainability and responsibility, these are the kinds of pioneers I have looked to for hope and inspiration. The frustration has been that these radical industrialists have always remained the exception rather than the rule. They are the outliers, which is okay if, in line with Everett Rogers' diffusion of innovation model, they are the innovators that make up the 2.5% of the population. The problem is that most of their ideas and practices haven't diffused to the early adopters and the early majority, let alone the late majority and laggards. So what will it take to get the kind of transformation we need to move beyond innovation towards mass change? I find an analogy is always helpful, and in early 2008 I discovered the perfect metaphor, Web 2.0. The term, of course, has been around for a while. Coined in 1999 by IT consultant Darcy Dunici in an article called Fragmented Future, it was popularized in 2004 by the landmark O'Reilly Media Web 2.0 conference. Tim O'Reilly's 2005 article, What is Web 2.0?, has already become an early adopter's touchstone for a rapidly evolving new lexicon and remains a classic piece. People like me, part of the technosphere's early majority, were a bit slower in waking up and it took Dan Tapscott and Anthony Williams' 2006 book, Wikinomics, to switch me on to the revolution in progress. Before coming to why Web 2.0 is a good metaphor for the transformation of CSR, let me try to bed down the concept. Today, Wikipedia defines Web 2.0 as web applications that facilitate interactive information sharing, interoperability, user-centered design and collaboration. Fair enough, but let's dig a little deeper, drawing on the terms evolution. In 1999, Dinucci was writing for programmers, challenging them to adapt to the increasing use of portable web-ready devices. This was just a small part of what Web 2.0 would come to mean. In 2005, O'Reilly brainstormed a far more wide-ranging list of examples and contrasts between Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. Examples included DoubleClick versus Google's AdSense, Britannica Online versus Wikipedia, personal websites versus blogging, publishing versus participation, directories made up of taxonomy versus tagging, which he called folksonomy and stickiness versus 
syndication, to mention but a few. His article concluded with seven core competencies of Web 2.0 companies. First, services, not packaged software, with cost-effective scalability. Second, control over unique, hard-to-create data sources that get richer as more people use them. Third, trusting users as co-developers. Fourth, harnessing collective intelligence. Fifth, leveraging the long tail of customer self-service. Sixth, software above the level of a single device. And seventh, lightweight user interfaces, development models, and business models. In 2006, Tapscott and Williams gave an applied view on Web 2.0 in the form of Wikinomics, which they defined as the effects of extensive collaboration and user participation on the marketplace and corporate world. Wikinomics, they said, is based on four principles. First, openness, which includes not only open standards and content, but also financial transparency and an open attitude towards external ideas and resources. Second, peering, which replaces hierarchical models with a more collaborative forum, for which the Linux operating system is a quintessential example. Third, sharing, which is a less proprietary approach to, among other things, products, intellectual property, bandwidth and scientific knowledge. And fourth, acting globally, which involves embracing globalization and ignoring physical and geographical boundaries at both the corporate and individual level. The birth of CSR 2.0 by May 2008, it was clear to me that this evolutionary concept of Web 2.0 held many lessons for CSR. I published my initial thoughts in a short article online entitled CSR 2.0, The New Era of Corporate Sustainability and Responsibility, in which I said that the field of what is variously known as CSR, sustainability, corporate citizenship and business ethics, is ushering in a new era in the relationship between business and society. Simply put, we are shifting from the old concept of CSR, the classic notion of corporate social responsibility, which I call CSR 1.0, to a new integrated conception, CSR 2.0, which can be more accurately labelled corporate sustainability and responsibility. The allusion to Web 1.0 and Web 2.0 is no coincidence. The transformation of the Internet through the emergence of social media networks, user-generated content and open-source approaches is a fitting metaphor for the changes businesses are experiencing as it begins to redefine its role in society. We can see many similarities between Web 1.0 and CSR 1.0. In Web 1.0, we have a flat world just beginning to connect itself and finding a new medium to push out information and plug advertising. In CSR 1.0, we see a vehicle for companies to establish relationships with communities, channel philanthropic contributions and manage their image. In Web 1.0, we saw the rise to prominence of innovators like Netscape, but these were quickly outmuscled by giants like Microsoft with its Internet Explorer. Similarly, in CSR 1.0, we saw many startup pioneers like Tradecraft, but these were ultimately turned into a product for large multinationals like Walmart.
in Web 1.0, the focus was largely on standardized hardware and software of the PC as its delivery platform, rather than multi-level applications. Similarly, in CSR 1.0, we've traveled down the road of one-size-fits-all standardization through codes, standards, and guidelines to shape the offering. There are also similarities between Web 2.0 and CSR 2.0. Web 2.0 is being defined by watchwords like collective intelligence, collaborative networks, and user participation. Tools include social media, knowledge syndication, and beta testing. CSR 2.0 is being defined by watchwords like the global commons, innovative partnerships, and stakeholder involvement. Mechanisms include diverse stakeholder panels, real-time reporting, and social entrepreneurship. In Web 2.0, it is as much a state of being as a technical advance. It is a new philosophy or way of seeing the world differently. Similarly, in CSR 2.0, it is recognizing a shift in power from centralized to decentralized a change in scale from marginal to mainstream, and a change in application from single and exclusive to multiple and shared. As our world becomes more connected and global challenges like climate change and poverty loom ever larger, businesses that still practice CSR 1.0 will, like their Web 1.0 counterparts, be rapidly left behind. Highly conscientized and networked stakeholders will expose them and gradually withdraw their social license to operate. By contrast, companies that embrace the CSR 2.0 era will be those that collaboratively find innovative ways to tackle our global challenges, and they will be rewarded in the marketplace as a result.